My name is Brian. I'm the lead pastor of Grand Valley Church, and we're a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope that this message helps you to explore faith and grow in your relationship with God. Hey, good morning, and welcome here to Grand Valley Church Online. This is our online service. If you haven't met me before, my name is Brian. I'm the pastor of Grand Valley Church in Brandon, Manitoba. And we are a community of faith that is committed to leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And whether you're watching this at 11 or you're watching on demand later, or maybe you're listening to the podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to invest in your spiritual growth. Or maybe if you have questions about faith, this is an opportunity and a way that you can learn more about who Jesus is, more about faith. And so thank you for taking the time to be here with us and dive into this content with us. If you're new here, this is a great series to join in because we are looking at a series of teachings that Jesus made about himself that help us understand our faith and who Jesus is. But also, if you're new here, I want to invite you to click the link in the description and fill out our online connect card. It's a great way to get in touch with myself or someone, anyone else at Grand Valley Church, find out about some of the things that we're doing in this season. And also, email is the main way we are giving updates about our church right now. And so I want to encourage you to sign up for email updates at that link. Now, this series that we're in is focused on teachings that Jesus made about himself and how, as we understand more about Jesus, how that helps us understand our faith. And to set up the passage and the teaching that we're going to look at this week, we're following up almost immediately right after something that happened in last week. And so last week, we looked at the teaching where Jesus declared, I am the bread of life and what that means about having trust in God. And so shortly after that, Jesus spends some time in Galilee, and we move to John 7, and it tells us a piece of the timeline that'll connect us to John 8, where the where the passage is going to be. And so after this, after what we talked about last week, Jesus traveled around Galilee. He wanted to stay out of Judea, the southern part of the country, where the Jewish leaders were plotting his death. But soon, it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. Now, something you got to know about first century Judaism and even about about their faith and their history is their yearly calendar was focused around these festival time periods, these times when if you were able to, you would get to Jerusalem to celebrate in Jerusalem or you'd celebrate in your own towns and villages. These events from their history that would remind them about who God is and what he's done in the past. And so it's time for this festival of shelters to come up. And the festival of shelters is a festival that looks back to when the Israelites had left Egypt and spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness before they arrived at the promised land. And the in their Torah law, the book of Leviticus, it gives this instructions for the festival to remember that time period. It says this, for seven days, you must live outside in little shelters. This will remind each new generation of Israelites that I, this is God speaking, made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. And so for seven days of the year, faithful Jews would construct a small shelter with a palm branch roof, and they would sleep and eat in those shelters if they were able to, as a way of remembering how their ancestors had left Egypt and gone to the promised land, to gone to Israel. And so if we go back to John 7, we know it's time for this to happen. And some of Jesus' brothers and the people around him are saying, hey, go to Jerusalem and start teaching so that people, you know, your followers can see who you are and what you're doing. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not going to go just yet. 
But we pick it up in John 7, verse 10. After his brothers left for the festival, Jesus also went, though secretly, staying out of the public view for the first couple days. And so these religious leaders that were plotting Jesus' death, they were looking for him, but they couldn't find him. And then midway through the festival, Jesus goes to the temple, the center of the whole festival, where the most people are gathered, and he begins to teach. And so we're going to move ahead to John 8, to this teaching that he gives on the last day of the festival. And so midway through the festival, he starts teaching, and the Pharisees, they're trying to find ways to find something they can arrest him for, but they can't come up with anything. And so on the last day of the festival, the climax, the most important part of the festival, Jesus goes to the temple again, and he goes to speak. And he speaks to the people, and he says, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness, because you will have the light that leads to life. And sometimes his teachings were set up by a question, but this time Jesus leads with this. He leads with saying, I am the light of the world. And why does he talk about light? Well, I think Jesus talks about light and darkness in this teaching because these are universally understood metaphors. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew, if you're a Gentile, if you're a foreigner just visiting Jerusalem at that time period. Even today, we know that light and darkness are universal metaphors, that light represents what is good and pure and noble, the Jedi, and then the darkness represents the Sith. It represents what's evil, what's bad. And so Jesus is describing himself as the light of the world. Not just light to one group, but light that is available to the whole world. Not just faithful Jews, not just the descendants of Abraham, but everyone. That's this declaration that Jesus makes about himself. And then Jesus declares that he is the light that leads to life. He's saying that if you follow my light, my followers won't walk in darkness. They have a light, but it's not just light to see clearly or light to to know what's going on or to illuminate around you. It is light that leads to life. It leads to something of a greater purpose. And usually when Jesus talks about life, he's talking about having a deeper, more fulfilled life because of your relationship with the Father, because of your relationship with Jesus, because of your relationship with the Holy Spirit, that this is about having a fulfilled and abundant life. And so Jesus gives this teaching on the last day of the festival of shelters on the temple grounds. Now there's something specific about why he's doing this at the temple, not just because it's where everyone's gathering, but Jesus is teaching the crowds at the temple, not far from where the golden lampstands that are part of the festival of shelters are standing. Now every night, except for the Sabbath night during this festival, these golden lampstands would be lit And everyone there to celebrate the festival would be around and there would be singing and dancing and celebrating as these lampstands are lit. Because these lampstands represent something from their history. Every piece of their festivals had something that looked back to their history and what God had done. And so these lampstands represent the pillar of fire that led the Israelites through the deserts. And if we go all the way back to the book of Exodus, if we go to Exodus 13, verse 21, the Torah tells us this. It says, The Lord went ahead of them, went ahead of the Israelites. He guided them during the day with a pillar of cloud, and he provided light at night 
with a pillar of fire. This allowed them to travel by day or by night. And the passage goes on to explain that this pillar would, sometimes it would stay in one place for a while, and that's where the Israelites would camp and they would rest. Or sometimes this pillar of cloud and pillar of fire at night would move, and so they would follow it. And at night in the desert, when there's only the stars and the moon, there's no street lamps, there's no electricity yet, this pillar of fire provided the Israelites with light. And so every year at the Festival of Shelters, every night when they would light these lampstands, they're remembering God provided light for us when we were in the wilderness. And so when Jesus... Now, about 1,300 or so years later, is standing on the temple grounds and he makes this declaration. When he says, I am the light of the world, he is declaring that he is a greater light than the pillar of fire they are remembering that God provided in the past. Jesus is looking at their history and drawing something new out of it to be able to explain to the people who he is today. And so the pillar of fire in Exodus led the Israelites to a destination. It led them through to the promised land. But Jesus declares he is the light of the world that leads to life. This is about more than just being for the Israelites. This is about being the light for everyone. And he points to God's provision in Israel's history and guides the people towards Jesus's purpose and reason for coming into the world. Jesus is making this declaration that this is now bigger than what God has done in the past, what God is doing right now. And so we need to lean in and pay attention to this light now. Now, of course, there's always another character in these stories. There's always the other group, and that's the Pharisees, this group of religious leaders and scribes and people who thought they had it all figured out. And they didn't like Jesus because Jesus didn't agree with them. In fact, Jesus called them out for a lot of the things they did that weren't right. And so the Pharisees, they call out and they interrupt Jesus' teaching. And they say, you are making these claims about yourself. Such testimony is not valid. Now, what they're doing here is kind of interesting because they are not disputing what Jesus has said. They are not saying, no, no, you're not the light of the world. No, no, you don't have light that leads to life. They're not saying that at all. What they're saying is your testimony isn't valid because you're the only one saying this about yourself. They're trying to dispute Jesus's teaching by claiming he is only one witness. And they're referring to their law found in the book of Deuteronomy in the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, that says this. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And so they're referring to this and saying, well, Jesus, you can't say this because you're only one person. And so Jesus responds to the Pharisees. And he, again, he knows what they're talking about. He knows they're talking about this passage in Deuteronomy. So he says, yes, yes, your own law says that if two people agree about something, their witness is accepted as fact. And he says, I am one witness, and my Father who sent me is the other. So Jesus is saying to the Pharisees, hold on, I have two witnesses. I am one, my Father who sent me is the other. And so the Pharisees try to contradict him. They say, well, where is your Father? 
they ask. And they know full well enough that Jesus is declaring that his father is God himself, that Jesus himself is God, fully divine, who has stepped into the world. They know Jesus has been saying this about himself. That's part of why they don't like him and why they want to get rid of Jesus. And so Jesus says to them, when they ask, where's your father? He says, since you don't know who I am, you don't know who my father is. And if you knew me, you would also know my father. So this sounds like just some tricky wording. But what Jesus is saying here is he is kind of slapping the Pharisees across the face, to be honest. He is throwing their own words back at them, saying, you don't know who God is. You have missed the point. And if you knew who God is, then you would know who I am. Because Jesus is pointing out that all of Scripture has pointed to Jesus. And in fact, the Pharisees, they were so convinced that they held the correct interpretation of Scripture, they would not even attempt to understand Jesus. And this isn't the first time Jesus has interacted with the Pharisees like this. In fact, if we go back to just before the passage we looked at last week, if we go uh, back to John 5, there's this longer exchange that Jesus has with a group of religious leaders and Pharisees where they try this same tactic on him. They say, but you're only one witness. And Jesus lists the witnesses that say who he is. He talks about John the Baptist, who the Pharisees even agreed with at the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry. And they said, yes, John the Baptist is pointing people to God. And then John the Baptist started pointing people to Jesus. And the Pharisees said, whoa, whoa, hold on. You're not the guy we thought you were. And then Jesus points to the father's own witness about him. He talks about the miracles and signs that he's done. And then he talks about scripture. He talks about their own written God's word. The Old Testament in our Bibles is all they had at that point because the New Testament wasn't written yet. And Jesus said this to the Pharisees in that exchange. He said, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. See, Jesus is pointing out that scripture is, its whole purpose is to point us to Jesus. The entire Old Testament points to Jesus. The prophets point to Jesus. They tell things about the Messiah, the anointed one that would come. And Jesus fulfilled every one of those things. See, the Pharisees had a problem. They were so focused on scripture that they lost what scripture was pointing to. It would be like if you had a map of somewhere you wanted to go and you just spent all your time studying that map, but you never actually went to where the map could guide you to go. You'd never experience it for reality. You would only experience it through the map. And that was the Pharisees' understanding of scripture. See, the Pharisees were incapable of honestly asking What if Jesus is right? What if what Jesus had to say was true? What if all the prophecies and the promises of the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled really were true? And some of the claims and the statements that Jesus made when he predicted his own death and resurrection, well, sure enough, later on, the Pharisees would learn to discover that that was true, but they would fight it because they couldn't admit that they were wrong, because they still believed that they were the only people who could understand Scripture properly. And then there's one other thing that Jesus did. 
is that Jesus, one day when he was walking past the temple, he told his disciples that a day was coming when this whole temple, the temple of God in Jerusalem, would be destroyed. And his disciples didn't agree with him. They, they couldn't believe him at first that that was true, that that was going to happen. But sure enough, about 40 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, the siege of Jerusalem happens and the temple is destroyed. It is completely leveled. Not one stone is left standing on top of another stone. And to this very day, the temple has never been rebuilt. See, Jesus... He knew what he was doing. He had the divine wisdom and knowledge of the Holy Spirit being in him and indwelling with him, of being God himself come into the world. But the Pharisees were so incapable of asking this one question, what if Jesus is right? What if Jesus truly is the light of the world that leads to life the way that he says he is? What if Jesus actually is the path to eternal life? And we're going to look at more statements that Jesus made about that later in this series. But one of the things that Jesus said when he gave this teaching is he said, my followers won't walk in darkness. Have you ever paused and reflected on this question? What if Jesus truly knows the darkness we're currently facing? Whatever that might be. What if Jesus really knows what's going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our times of anxiety, in our times of stress, in our times of depression, in our times of feeling overwhelmed and burnt out? What if Jesus knows exactly what we're facing and he is the light that leads to life? Will we allow Jesus to bring his light this light that leads to a greater, a deeper, abundant, eternal life. Will we let Jesus bring that light into our current situation? See, Jesus gave this teaching on the temple steps at the end of a festival, celebrating this time 1,300 years earlier when God provided light to the Israelites. And Jesus stood there and told the crowds, and his word is telling us this today, that he has a light that is not going to be extinguished. He has a light that shines in the darkness in a way that brings hope, in a way that brings wholeness, in a way that brings a deeper understanding of God's love for us. Are we willing today to let Jesus bring that light into our current situation, into our current lives, into whatever we're facing today? Are we willing to let Jesus bring that into our lives today? And if we are willing, will we lean into it? Will we, instead of searching the scriptures and letting them lead us to our own conclusions, could we search the scriptures and let them lead us to Jesus? Could we read his words and in our conversations with each other, could we choose to see where Jesus is bringing light into the picture. You think we can do that this week? Let me pray for us. God, we know that you are the light that leads to life. We know that you gave this teaching where you declared and you called out and you named that you are followers, that those of us who put our trust in you would not walk in darkness, that instead we can have your light and your life living within us, 
And that doesn't mean that we're going to see and know everything ahead of us. But God, would we know that your presence and your peace is with us, guiding us like light when we walk in darkness, like light that illuminates the path in front of us, like light that leads us into your presence. Jesus, would we be able to know your presence in that way? Would we be able to know your light? And would your light be guiding us through whatever it is we're facing this day, this week, this month, and this year? In your name we pray. Amen. So, folks, thanks for being here. Thanks for watching the service and joining in on the live chat and being here with us. And next week, we're going to continue by looking at another one of these I am statements that Jesus made during his ministry. So, folks, I hope you have a great week and hope to see you online here next Sunday. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Our Sunday services are online only, streaming at 11 a.m. on YouTube. You can find out more about our church by going to mygrandvalley.ca or you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening. Thank you.